Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copla Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsilivus. This is episode 59 and we are looking at John Lee Hancock's The Founder. If you're new to this here podcast, what we do here is we watch every single film in the collective Copla family filmography to determine if they are the greatest film family of all time. I don't do that alone, however. I am joined by a guest, and that is no different today when I'm joined by Harley Mumford from the Fundamentals podcast to have a lovely chat all about this, I don't know, I think underrated film that kind of uh, yeah slipped under the radar and kind of maybe got hamstrung by its marketing but we get all into that in this chat and inevitably talk about all things mcdonald's and our love-hate relationship as a kind of global society with that burger behemoth that is mcdonald's um but it's a fun one i'm sure you will enjoy it as ever there are spoilers throughout this chat if you haven't seen it, head on over to Amazon Prime, which I believe it is streaming right now. But with all of that out of the way, all that's left to do is to head up and down the highway looking to sell some mixers, stumble upon an amazingly efficient burger joint and make some Copla connections. On this episode, we're hitting the road to sell some multi-mixers as we talk about the based on a true life story drama, The Founder, directed by John Lee Hancock and written by Robert Siegel. The film stars Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman, John Carroll Lynch, Linda Cardellini, BJ Novak and Laura Dern. Carter Burwell provides the score and the cinematography is from our boy, our Coppola connection for this episode, John Schwartzman. 
joining me to discuss the film and to see whether we hated it or we're loving it. And help me decide if the Coppola family are a solid square meal of Hollywood entertainment or just cheap and nasty fast food that will leave us feeling sick. It's the host of the Fundamentals podcast, Harley Mumford. How are you, Harley? I'm really good. Loving that intro, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 I got right to the end and I realised... I feel like I feel like probably any podcast that's ever talked about this film has probably done a <laughs> "I'm loving it" uh, joke. I was like, might as well get it right up the front. Uh, Absolutely. Let's, 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 otherwise, it's going to be eating away from me throughout the whole episode. I had to just kind of get it out of my system. <laughs> yeah, it's like McDonald's. You know what you're getting. It's fine. Exactly. It's cheap. It's nasty. But yeah, we'll, we'll get on to whether that this this, mm. this film is that, or if it, I don't know if there's a bit more to chew over. Let's just mm. let, let, let's just keep the keep the food based puns rolling throughout the episode as well. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> so before we do talk about the founder today, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Let's kind of hear about that up the front. I know I know most people yeah. most people hold it out until the end, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not letting people off the hook for for, for just <laughs> skipping yeah skipping the end. Let's hear about what you do up front. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, let's get the uh, the shameless plugs out of the way early. That's fine. Yeah, so I run Fundamentals. It is the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. Basically, I invite guests on to talk about all manner of topics within pop culture. It can be film related, can be TV, can be music, sports, etc. Um, yourself and many other people have been on the podcast. Uh, a good example is, yeah, you, Petros. You came on back when I had a, a, a run of sitcom episodes that just sort of happened one summer. And yeah, we had an amazing conversation about Seinfeld and I have since watched all of Seinfeld and absolutely loved it. So yes. great things can happen with this podcast if you give it a listen. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is such a fun way to, I don't know, to discuss things that you enjoy. I really, I really, mm. enjoy, I really enjoy the podcast, not just as, as a guest, but as, as a listener as well, kind of. I don't Thank know, you. I think, I think it, te- it's, it could be quite telling as well and go, oh, like there's people I know that have been on the podcast that I didn't realize mm. they were like such a big fan of that, for instance. Or like, I don't know, yeah. just, yeah, you can get, even people you don't really know. So it's like a a nice mm-hmm. way to get an insight into people's passions and really pulls out the, I think it pulls out the most of people when you get them talking about something they mm. like, right? That's, uh, that, that's, that's the aim, mate. yeah. That's <laughs> the aim. That's kind of how it all started. I was in lockdown. I was like, oh man, I miss these conversations with people. And it just sort of hit me, or oh, why not try a podcast? And I agree. I think those are the best conversations and it's a space to learn. It's taught me a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I've had so many guests that have come on that have talked about topics where I know nothing about them. I yourself, you know, Seinfeld again, I was like, yeah, I'm aware of it. I don't really know much about it. And then by the end of it, I've gained all of this insight and hopefully the listener has too. It's like, oh, that's why this thing is so popular. That's why people love it. And I always say, worst case scenario, you listen to an episode and you learn something. Best case scenario, you listen and you think that sounds pretty cool. I should go and check that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. I think that's what we're all we're all hoping, right? Is that they go? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll give that film another 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 chance. That's what I'm. That's what mm-hmm. I'm always hoping. Or yeah, maybe yeah. I didn't think about that film in that way before. Um, Absolutely. Again, before we talk about the founder, I want to know about mm. your relationship to the Coppola family and what mm. was your entry point to the Coppola family? Was there a specific mm. family member and after that, when did you become aware that they were this 
behemoth of uh, <laughs> media and entertainment? I would say, I want to say it's Nicolas Cage is the entry point. I don't exactly know when, but I know I've, I would have watched some of his movies, probably like the National Treasure stuff, you know, mm-hmm. at a younger age. Um, and seeing things like Con Air, stuff like that, it's always on TV. And then I remember hearing, it's kind of like a well-known sort of movie trivia fact now, isn't it? That, you know, did you know that Nicolas Cage is related to the Coppola family? And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. You know, and by that point, I'd seen The Godfather and things like that. And I was like, oh, oh, right, they're connected. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. And I have to admit, actually, Petros, I owe a lot of it, uh, the sprawling aspect of it to <laughs> yourself. You know, after speaking to you and learning about your podcast, I had a look and it was just quite eye-opening to realize, oh, there's all these other connections. Like, you know, I knew Talia Shire, for example, from the Rocky franchise, had no idea that she was connected to them. And, yeah. um, oh, what's his name? The, he plays the villain in um, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. I know you've done that. Maybe. Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, That's yeah. the one. Jason. They, yeah, Jason. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, I had no idea he was connected as well. And like you say, all these threads start to get pulled. Yeah, and you I, what, what, what you start to find as well is, and what, what, I, what I found is, just by looking at timelines of things, it seems to be when people step into the family. So John Schwartzman's yeah. a prime example. So he is yeah. Jack Schwartzman's son from a previous marriage before Talia Shire. But yeah. he was an agent in Hollywood and then started a production company once he had yeah. married Talia Shire, which felt like a step closer to the filmmaking aspect of things. And then obviously being around mm. that, you can imagine John Schwartzman would have been, I don't know, inspired and kind of like, mo- like almost being like swallowed into this family yeah. that is the Coppola's. It's like, oh, so Francis is making films. You've got my cousin yeah. Nicolas Cage making films. Like, And then he's like, oh yeah, I'll, 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 get, I'll give it a chance as well. And I think one of the reasons John's definitely on the list, even though like, People might be like, oh, there's, not, there's no blood relation. It's like, I saw Nicolas Cage refer to him once as my cousin John Schwartzman because he yeah. was the cinematographer on The Rock. So, yeah. I think so. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So he was like, yeah, so Kate Cage referred to him as, as his cousin. I'm, like, I'm taking that. There's a lot of there films I can talk about with John Schwartzman. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had the opportunity, Harley, to meet a Coppola at all? whether you know it or not. Have you ever been in the same room? I don't think so. I mean, you never know, right? Um, but I, I think not on this occasion. I mean, I would love to meet them. I, I hear that, for example, Nicolas Cage is quite a fascinating guy mm. just to talk to. So I kind of feel like that would be an, a really interesting and unique opportunity. But, you know, even with the families, I just, just any of them, just to know that they're part of this huge Hollywood family, as you say, all these people they know, the industry they work in, I'd love to meet them. I'm sure it'd be a fascinating conversation. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've interacted with one of them on social media and I'm like, Whoa, nice. like <laughs> <laughs> that enough. And obviously my kind of, one of my many, like, I don't know, end goals of this podcast is to, mm. is to interview as many of them as I can without like, absolutely. Without yeah, seeming you- like, I don't know, some absolute, freak do you know what I mean where it's like <laughs> they think I've yeah. just got like a a nutty room full of pictures of them all over the place I yeah. don't I don't, I know a lot about the family <laughs> but through the films I kind of the personal yeah. life and stuff like that mm-hmm. I ingest what's kind of in books but I'm not I'm not so much into the kind mm. of like 
TMZ kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. oh, what's Nicolas Cage having for breakfast on a Tuesday? Like, uh, gotcha. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I saw, I don't know. Um, well, I do know the Daily Mail posted like a video of like Nicolas Cage drunk in a bar and like on principle, I was mm. like, I'm not watching it. Like, that's yeah. not that's not what I'm about. Like I'm not I'm not, no, I'm not no. kind of feeding into this like uh I don't know, yeah, like circus freak show that that, mm. that certain publications try to make of of celebrities. Yeah. Let let the let the work speak for itself. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean that that whole sort of industry or the side of the industry is a bit ugly anyway, isn't it really? Just the whole like unpicking of people's personal lives. It's like like you say, just uh, who cares, frankly, mm-hmm. just let them get on with the professional stuff. And to be honest with you, Petros, I think if anyone deserves to have the Coplas <laughs> on this podcast, it's the man who's dedicated an entire podcast to the yeah. family. Yeah, you know? I've, 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 I've tried. I've tried to have Nicolas Cage on the podcast. Uh, One day, you never know. I think uh, he's eccentric enough to do it, mate, honestly. I think if you catch him in the right mood, he'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's do it. I'll well, talk to you about dinosaur skulls and Superman for two hours oh, yeah, and be like yep yeah, cool go for it watch watch this space i will try my hardest ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> so what would have been the first film you would have seen that had some involvement from john schwartzman i know this one more than mm. say other members of the family requires a bit of digging on your part so did you do the digging yeah. and what, what did you figure out i had a quick look yeah through his imdb and i I think it might have been The Blind Side. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that's the one. I remember, I remember watching that years ago. Um, and obviously that was quite a big film, wasn't it? You know, it's, did it win an Oscar or it was, it was nominated? I think some people in it were anyway. Um, so yeah, I remember when that came around and, and watching that. I had no idea. Again, no idea that he was behind the camera on that one. Wait, that, 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 that's John Lee Hancock. Is, is John Schwartzman the, the DOP on that one? I'm just, I'm just trying I to figure this wrong. out. Hang on a second. <laughs> no, you, you could be right and I could be wrong. Um, this happens a lot. I've even come up with my own jingle on my podcast for when I'm wrong <laughs> to stop the podcast. <laughs> I don't, a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of going through my like mind palace of the... I am not going to argue with you, trust me. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I may be wrong on this point. Uh... <laughs> there are people screaming at their, their uh, devices. At yeah, point. yeah, but I, yeah. I'm not sure how many like big... DOP heads there are do you know what I mean like uh, the people who are out there oh uh, they they exist don't you don't you uh, worry about that <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned uh doing yeah podcasts about things in pop culture people are extremely extremely uh particular about all manner of things uh let's have a look oh, okay no sorry this this is my mistake so I'm just having a screen a little look through now <laughs> apologies everyone I am wrong it was John Lee Hancock so I'm aware of him from doing that movie but having a look at this, um, ah, when did I see? I'll tell you what it might have been actually. Just looking at this, I reckon <laughs> this is weird. I have a feeling it might have been uh, either the Green Hornet or Night at the Museum Two. <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> I think it's also the Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man. I would have seen, but yeah, uh, which whichever one of those. Oh, so Night at the Museum Two came out. First, yeah, so I would have been that, I think. Amazing. Um, yeah, and then I think, yeah, well, yeah, National Treasure. Oh, there's also a National Treasure movie, so maybe that as well. One of those, any one of those, pick one out of a hat, it would have been one of them. Amazing, amazing. So, so, we, we yeah, like, did you notice a kind of like visual style that he, he, 
he had because I I I I I always mm. seem to think that like John Schwartzman mm. is a really great kind of jobbing director of photography as opposed yeah, to yeah I mean now that I think about it I think about those movies and I think about this film that we're going to talk about yeah I, I kind of it feels a bit like a sort of Ron Howard safe pair of hands kind of guy you know yes. like does a does a great job it looks professional it looks it looks good. But nothing really stands out. Yes, it's you not. Know? It's not kind of. He's, he's not fitting. Showy. He's fitting the brief, right? He's kind of like a director's yes. cinematographer, as opposed to like. Yes. Oh, like we need this look. We'll get this like cinematographer in, or something like that, or like. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Who's the um? Oh, this is bugging me. It's one of my favorites, and I've completely blanked on his name. Roger Deakins, the kind of like Deakins, yeah, yeah, the 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 the, the, the Deakins, the Elvis <laughs> of uh, yeah, the Elvis of cinematographers, the kind of like yes. the goat, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah no. And I guess, yeah. I guess, there's an element with cinematographers as well that they're doing the right job if they're kind of, I don't know, not unno- unnoticeable. Yeah, if they're kind of like. They're doing a fine job if they're unnoticeable. If you're kind of noticing, oh, that's really poorly lit, or like, that's, yes, that's true. That's framed terribly, and they're doing yeah. a bad job. Or if they're like too flashy, do you know what I mean? If they've mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I know kind what you of, mean. Yeah, if, it, if it's just so much that you can't really work out what's going on, or yeah, you're like, yeah. Does, why do we have Dutch angles for all of these scenes? Yeah, 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 yeah stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> no, normally that's a director's fault. The Dutch angles. True, like, yeah, we're true. just gonna just throw them in. Just yeah. <laughs> it makes conversations interesting. <laughs> so let's talk about the founder. But before we do, let's listen to mm-hmm. the trailer. I know what you're thinking. How the heck does a 52-year-old over-the-hill milkshake machine salesman? build a fast food empire with 1,600 restaurants and an annual revenue of $700 million. One word, persistence. Prince Castle sales. Hi, Jim. Ray, how's it going down there? Good, swell, a lot of interest. We got an order, six mixers. To anyone in particular? McDonald's. McDonald's? Care for a little tour? We wanted something different. And that's when my brother here comes up with one of his brilliant ideas. Order's ready in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Unique, original, there's nothing like this. It's revolutionary. It's exactly what it is, it's revolutionary. What is that? The golden arches. It's a way to make the place stand out, huh? There should be McDonald's everywhere. Franchise the damn thing. What's the first step? Just leave that to me. That glorious name, McDonald's. I have to have it. Did you mortgage our home? We could lose everything. Good things come to those who wait. Business is war. It's dog eat dog. I could be growing this thing at twice the pace. I don't know what to say. Say you'll renegotiate. I can't. Can't or won't? What you ought to be doing is owning the land upon which that burger is cooked. You're not in the burger business. You're in the real estate business. There's a wolf in the hen house. We let him in. Isn't enough going to be enough for you? Honestly, never. Business is war. It's dog eat dog, rat eat rat. To succeed, to win, opportunity. Sky's the limit. You have a contract. This is not your company, Ray. 
You sure about that? So, the founder was released on January 20th, 2017, and was made for a budget of $25 million with a box office return of 24.1. In this chat, we'll get into some um, legal disputes that happen with this film, like the McDonald brothers and uh, Ray Kroc. uh, Things did go legal. In this case, the brothers in question who were getting sued were the Weinstein brothers, who, if you ask me, are two brothers who fucking deserve it. So (laughs) before we get into all of the litigation and things that went on with this film, Harley, can you do us the pleasure of telling us what the founder is all about? I mean, in a sentence, it's the story of how Ray Kroc basically stole a business from two brothers and turned it into a multi-billion dollar franchise. Yeah, so that is this is the story of McDonald's, right? This is yeah. the... And like one, one thing I, I was... I'm, I'm not sure about you is... Mm-hmm. I, I, like, because some of the, like, branding for this film and, like, the posters have the McDonald's arches on them, which, like... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's through my ignorance. I was like, surely that's copyrighted. Like, that, that kind of M is mm. copyrighted. Because like, I did some digging and, like... Mm. Uh, in, 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 yeah, in an interview with uh, John Lee Hancock he kind of said like McDonald didn't obviously have anything to do with this because it kind I was of doesn't that. portray them in a particularly good light mm. uh, uh, to some degree especially with kind of Ray Kroc yes you no. said stealing the business from Mac and Dick Donald mm. yeah I was wondering that because you know, it's funny about uh, almost a year ago now I had a guest MJ Smith on my podcast talking about biopics. And we brought this movie up as a good example of, of the kind of biopic you get where it's about, you know, a business owner and these guys that build these huge empires. And they're kind of either a very glossy, glamorized kind of version of events or they're a warts and all story. And yeah, this is definitely a warts and all. And I, I had that exact thought actually of, yeah, I wonder how much mcdonald's were kind of involved or how happy they were with a lot of this i suppose it's one of those things because it's art because it's movies they can't really yeah can they really get involved can they really stick their lawyers in too much and say no please don't make this movie Mm -hmm. or they have to kind of back off but that's a good point about the logo yeah i would have thought that would have come under some sort of copyright or fire but did you find (laughs) anything on that (laughs) no 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 i I guess i guess i guess it's i guess i guess it's fair game i guess like yeah, maybe. You can tweak it ever so slightly that it's kind of... Ah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, mm. if it, it could just be a fault, like, do you know what I mean? It's like you can't... It's like the slightly different colour or something. <laughs> yeah, or just like yeah. the, the arch is not as not mm. as arched as it is. Or, or do you know what I mean? It's a bit more arched <laughs> yeah. than it is from McDonald's. Maybe they've just yeah. kind of, they've done Ours that. Ours is 110 but... degrees. Yours is 112, you know? Yeah, something exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, they, it's, like, it's like Audi. They've got the, they've got right, the design right. department next to legal going, change it ever so slightly. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're called Prangles, <laughs> not Pringles, okay? <laughs> He's got a mustache. Yeah. This guy's got a goatee. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. 
Amazing. I want. I, I want to preface that by saying that I I, I love Aldi and it is a is a is a great is a great supermarket yeah. chain. Was it, was it Aldi or Lidl got into like a huge thing with M and S over some sort of like caterpillar cake? Do you remember that? That, that was all over tr- Twitter. Yeah, Colin the caterpillar. Yeah, and they've That's got the one. one. Yeah, and then kind of all of the supermarkets have their own version yeah. of the caterpillar cake, and it kind of became like the battle of yeah. yeah. They all like ganged up on Marks and Spencers. It was hilarious. Well, yeah, Mark, it, it wasn't a good look for Marks and <laughs> no, Spencers because I think, and it kind of pertains to this film somewhat, is Marks and Spencers kind of, uh, I guess for me as well, as like a working class lad mm. from Crawley. You get this like image of like Marks and Spencers is like, hoity toity money do you know what I mean it's almost Very like the, so. like yeah. the they're, they're like the Ray Crocs coming after like the the cheap yeah. and affordable Audi and it's like well maybe families can't afford like eight pound for your caterpillar cake but can afford <laughs> two pound for the Audi version it's like you just kind of yeah yeah. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> very, very Tory behavior. That's what it was. It's it's the marketing equivalent of kicking a puppy. Yeah, it's like exactly. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like pulling up in a Rolls Royce uh, to a food <laughs> bank and taking taking yeah. food off of a off of a starving yeah. child. The bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so good <laughs> so, so talking about thieving bastards uh when did you first yeah. see the founder and what were your kind of mm. initial impressions did you kind of were, were you amped up for the film before it came out or did you kind of were you blindsided to, to quote a uh john lee hancock <laughs> title uh, when you did see it <laughs> to just highlight my mistake even more yeah so yeah i i saw this film i want to say I want to say about, uh, I think a couple of months after it came out in the cinema, it was one of those I wanted to see, but at the time I just couldn't get around to it. And then it popped up, excuse me, it popped up on Prime and it's pretty much stayed there ever since. Cause you know, I went to rewatch it obviously for this and then found it was still on there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just kind of dove straight in. I was interested in it, just hearing that, like I said earlier, it's a biopic. It's about this story that is quite a well-known kind of bad guy story you know in terms of business as you say mm. it's 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 not it's not a good story at all really from their point of view and the fact that it was michael keaton in the lead role just made me think okay this is going to be interesting at the very least let's check it out so had you known about the ray croc story before watching the film or i knew about it for two reasons um the first actually leads me on to a point i was going to make earlier but i'll make it now is it's the subject matter of one of my favorite dire straits songs Okay. <laughs> it's a song called Boom Like That. It's a really great song, really simple bluesy song that Mark Knopfler wrote. And it is literally him telling this story. Amazing. Um, even, and it's, there's even lines in this movie where he says like, dog eat dog, rat eat rat. That's a, like a chorus line in the song. Um, I think there's another line that he says, I made a note of it actually. Michael Keaton says, um, if they're going to drown, put a hose in their mouth, which is quite a dark line. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a line in the, in the song. And so sort of when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's what that song's about. Cool. And then I went and listened to some podcasts um, and some other YouTube documentaries sort of on the history of it and was really interested to learn the actual story and go, oh man, that's brutal. So yeah, learning all of that and then finding out that there's a movie coming out about it was, it was great. I thought, 
Well, because the initial story we get within this of like the the actual birth of McDonald's mm. as a company, it's like really heartwarming. Like I found I found myself mm. like I don't know, like getting a bit like watery eyed, like listening to it, and it's mm. kind of like quite like life affirming like listening to these two yeah. guys like really trying to struggle their way through having aspirations to make it in hollywood and yeah. finding a way to like have this business and basically revolutionizing fast food but then it's like a bitter sweetness for it especially mm. like living in 2023 seeing what yeah mcdonald's has become and it's like yeah for like sure, man listening to them kind of talk about their homesprung ideas and uh dick mcdonald is very much like oh i'm not i'm not like into capitalism and stuff like that and it's mm. like that's all mcdonald's is now dick yeah it almost feels like they could have their own movie right like mm -hmm. you it feels like you're joining on to a like it's like a sequel in a way it feels like like they've had a life prior to him coming along yes. and like you say all the stuff that happens that whole montage and like backstory of where they came from as you say is so heartwarming and and so multifaceted and interesting that you think yeah i, I kind of would love to see their origin story as a full movie would be kind of cool and i really like that scene actually just maybe reminded me of the um the bit where they're in the tennis court and they're like doing the sort of rehearsal and trying to work it. out it's amazing it's so good and like you say it's just so heartwarming to watch you're like oh good for you guys like, <laughs> Doing all of that, taking your employees out, doing all the, the research and the investment and doing it off your own back. Like you say, you're, you're really rooting for them, which makes it such an odd movie in the way that then they're not the protagonists. Yeah. So do you, you know? do you think that the filmmakers, obviously uh, Robert... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the writer Robert Spiegel. No, uh, what am I looking for here? Siegel. Robert mm. Siegel, do you think he made the right decision by framing this as the Roy Kroc story? I think so, yeah, because in fairness with them, it's had Ray Kroc never really entered the picture with McDonald's, you kind of think, where would their story have gone? You imagine they would probably just be a, a very successful, localized, maybe national mm -hmm. kind of fast food chain. As they say, they had a couple of chains up and down the country you know like in, in the state that's probably as far as it would have gone whereas the real story of like how does it become this behemoth of industry well the, the answer in, is kind of a sad one and the story is quite an ugly one so it's one that you do have to tell and yeah i don't know about you it, i think it's it's a really interesting performance by michael keaton in this well, like, yeah. not only the accent and the way he performed like i just think the moment you're introduced to the guy, I feel like they set him up straight away as what he is, which is just a pushy salesman. Yeah, well, it's, it's like... Too much ambition. It's this thing of... He's like... He's a doorstepper, right? He's like that. Yeah. I, I, I was reading a book um, fairly recently uh, about um, a writer called Larry Grindel, and he was talking about how his first job was being like an encyclopedia salesman door-to-door -door. Mm. oh wow and okay i immediately thought of 
like that when I was watching this, mm. like that kind of, you've got to be that kind of person or, or, or like, yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the film, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, where they're trying to like sell insurance to people. I like, haven't, but I'm aware. Isn't it like the coffees for closers thing? Yes. Yeah. Someone, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like yeah. people who are like that and like kind of don't let you, yeah. do you know what I mean? You imagine if you go to close the door, they stick their foot in to kind of, oh, one yeah. more thing. Like they, they, they yeah. give you the Columbo and just trying to close the deal and, yeah, the, the way that Michael Keaton is presented to us as well with him mm. basically just like speaking directly to us at the beginning. It's yes. kind of like an arresting way to, I think, to get, mm. to get the audience in. You're like, okay, what's, what's this guy to do? Definitely. It's, it's interesting because I used to work in sales and I do kind of recognize a lot of the traits there. He's, he's very much in the pushy category and it's the, it's sort of like the backhanded compliments, the the stuff that he picks up along the way from other people and like claims as his own. It's it's a sort of air of desperation about the guy throughout the entire movie, which is really interesting. And I love that they kind of layer that in, as you say, almost from like that opening monologue where he's just talking at you and you almost feel like you're boxed in. And it's like, you, you just sort of, you're immediately put in the position of a business owner and this guy's just in your face trying <laughs> to shove this machine on you and you're kind of like, Oh man, it's two minutes in. I'm already sick of you. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think, what's really interesting is John Lee Hancock. Said, like I was watching some interviews with him, and he said he looked at the film as almost like a bit of a Rorschach test for right. where your kind of allegiances lie, and like it's this kind of interesting thing. Because I think to begin with, and it kind of I think they play about with it in the kind of filmmaking the way the things they choose to show us of uh, Ray Kroc's life with him kind of, he seems a bit of a, he's got ambition. Yeah. He, he might be a bit pushy, but is that because he's like, it could go either way. I think without, especially as somebody, yeah. when I first watched it, I didn't really know the, the machinations of the plot or where, what, what the end goal was and how he kind of like, screwed them over because and there's this i think there's an element of i'm watching it a second time as well kind of looking at the filmmaking and the way the, the way that they've done it to yeah to show us who he is you do get this idea that oh maybe he's just a guy who i don't know for, for he could yeah he could, he could be close to bankruptcy and he's just really do you know what i mean he's, he's, he seems a bit beaten down and a bit like oh, is this ever gonna go my way like he's he's a man mm in his 50s, in the 1950s. So, like, you would have thought people, especially, yeah, in that time in America, would have been starting to maybe, like, wind their lives down a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, imagine retirement yeah. age would have been a bit younger, like, yeah. And we, 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 we realised quite early on, especially with interactions with Ethel, played by Laura Dern, like, mm. he's this guy who's always been chasing these kind of get-quick, get rich quick schemes and kind of trying to Definitely. yeah trying to make it trying to make a fast buck and always mm -hmm. flitting on to the next thing and when he presents yeah. her the idea of mcdonald's it's like oh what what's it now ray like what yeah. what have you got yourself into this week kind of deal absolutely yeah no i agree it's I feel like a really strong theme of this movie is it's like contentment versus ambition. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it could go either way. It's it's because when you're initially presented with what the McDonald's brothers have done, like, as you said, it's heartwarming. It's impressive. You're like, this is brilliant. And you, and you do kind of think, yeah, franchise it. Yeah. Have more of these things. If you do, run it right, 
it's it makes money it's easy but then when they explain their side of it you kind of go oh yeah i can i can see how that would be a problem and it's just the way that he keeps pushing through and like the stuff with uh ethel like you say played by laura dern i mean poor laura dern like she she's amazing in this movie but you just feel so sorry for (laughs) the, the whole movie like as you said it he's surrounded by her he's got all of his friends in that little country club, you know, everybody's kind of winding down. Even when he tries to sell on franchises to his mates, they're, they're not really that bothered by it. They're kind of like, we've already got our money, we're out here playing golf. Like, but he's just all riled up and for him, it's everything. It's this mm. like this desperation, like you say, to be something else. And it's, it's so fascinating that you've got that versus what's actually in his life, which is like, dude, you've got money got a nice house you got a wife that loves you you know like that's the american dream yeah it's not enough for him um and it's just quite interesting how far he then goes off into the deep end towards the end and i think what they cleverly have done in this film as well is uh yeah ethel and ray Kroc in real life had a daughter but i think by like getting rid of the daughter for the film kind of like yeah Mm. It's like an unnecessary, it would have been, I think it would have added like an unnecessary element to the film that, that didn't mm. need to be there almost in a kind of like Ray Kroc way of like, how can we, how can we make this more streamlined? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it's, it's true. Yeah. And you, you, you already don't like the guy enough. You don't, you don't need to add that in as the mix as well. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, and I, 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 I can imagine, and it's, it's mm. interesting because this film was made, I believe it was actually like shot and made like 2015. So like mm. predates the uh, rise of Donald Trump to presidency. And by the mm. time this came out, this would have been what? Basically ha- as he was like inaugurated as president and Mm -hmm. i think it very much plays upon that without without meaning to because it is it is a man who kind of through an understanding of branding and name recognition managed to basically game him game his way from like being like a a new york like crooked businessman to basically being the 45th president of the united states and it's like you can, it, it made the film like ridiculously pertinent. And you can imagine mm. people like Donald Trump watching this film. And that's why I was saying mm. like how, how it does work as a Rorschach test. It's people yeah. kind of cut from that cloth. We'll watch this and go, Ray's just doing what Ray's got to do to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Pro- probably is. Yeah, you're very much correct there. I think, yeah, it would say a lot about your personality so if you don't have an issue necessarily with how things go down but yeah it's I, I just find it really really interesting that they were happy to go down that road but then at the same time these kinds of movies do come around quite a lot now I mean you've got what is it like the social network you've got mm-hmm. both Steve Jobs movies you know it's you know and now everything that's kind of going on with as you say Donald Trump Elon Musk all these people and it does feel like Hollywood in fiction for the longest time has had the billionaire businessman as like the bad guy. I mean, hell, even the Lego movie has Lord Business, right? Like <laughs> it's sort of there in, in our consciousness. So for this film to come out, as you say, during that time, and even now it's something that we can sort of recognize, I think as a part of us as a society is now more aware of, can sort of look at and go, yeah, this is pretty much what 
you have to become, if you want to become one of the wealthiest people in the world, is you have to step on a whole lot of people and a whole lot of dreams on the way up. And I think we're living in a time as well where like people are more and more happy to watch entertainment, whether it's film or TV, that is centered upon bad people. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Kind of people mm-hmm. like you look at <laughs> you look at so. like the Jeffrey Dahmer show on Netflix was like the most watched show yeah. ever. And mm. it's like as much as they try and profess that like we're doing it from the uh, perspective of mm. the victims, like, no, you're not. You make it mm. like, do you know what I mean? You, you're doing sexy, sexy Jeffrey Dahmer with Evan Peters. It's like you're you're not you're, you're not doing that. And pe- people seem to have this kind of like almost like watching a car crash mentality to the things they enjoy. And I think like mm. this plays into it somewhat. And I think it does. Yeah. It, it it does kind of. I think this. Yeah, the most similar thing probably is like the social network. Or you look at you look at TV. Like we've had like Pam and Tommy. We have we work and stuff like that people i think people are fascinated by these true life stories especially when it's packaged up kind of sometimes mm. like the warts are there or they're put into more palatable do you know yeah. what i mean like all of all of all of the all of the boring bits are kind of skimmed off the top and we're given like the kind of i don't know like uh yeah packaged burger vert do you know I mean? we're getting we're getting the t- two pickles uh perfect yeah. squirt of mustard and ketchup and yeah some onions version as opposed to yeah. the kind of like sloppy here, here, here's everything here's the full menu now we're keeping mm. it pared down that's 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 what we're getting um yeah you mentioned yeah like michael keaton was a big draw for you big in time. my in my research for this I saw that initially it was offered to Tom Hanks. What do you think of that as a prospect for casting? Do you think this would have been a better or a worse movie for Tom Hanks being in it? I am fascinated by that. I tell you for why, because I feel like at this time, right, Michael Keaton's the perfect fit because he's back. He's, he's done like Birdman. He's done, he's doing action movies. He's doing all sorts of stuff, right? He's sort of back in a big way. And he, we know that he can play these kinds of characters. He can do slimy characters. He can do villains. He can do aggressive sort of characters and all that stuff. Tom Hanks is basically America's uncle at this point. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I would love to see him take on a role like this. You know, because he is so charming and we associate him with that kindness so much, I kind of would love to see him play a villain. I mean... He, he sort did, of he, did, right? Like he played, he played um, Colonel Tom so Parker in Elvis. Like he's basically the villain of that. As yes, well. that that's it. That's it. Yeah, he's yeah Colonel Tom Parker as well as um, Walt Disney. I mean, I know Mister Banks is you know he's sort of a gentle hand in the movie, but imagine Tom Hanks returning to that role, but in a more honest, like sort of brutally confronting version of his life story, very much like the founder. That would be awesome. I would pay good money to see that. Yeah, and I think I think I think my, uh, Michael Keaton you can see as like being like the perfect second choice of this. Like I think it yes. would have been interesting for Tom Hanks to do it, especially at that time. It would have been mm. leaning a bit further into, like you said, he played Walt Disney, but like that that film yeah. is very much sanctioned by the Disney company, so it's kind 100%. of like yeah, like yeah. that a version of Saving Mr. Banks not made by Disney. Has right. has Tom Hanks smoking in it? The one yes. made by Disney has like 
kind of allusions that he smokes and it's like no we can't have smoking on screen like this needs to be a pg this is a a family Mm -hmm. movie and i'm sure that some of the arguments he probably had with pl travers were a lot more like heated and like i don't uh (laughs) big time yeah yeah yeah. there's a lot more like effing and jeffing going on than than we see in that Mm. but like obviously that's the the disneyfied version of this of of that story whereas yeah michael keaton he kind of comes with comes with that baggage and obviously around this time i think when this would have been made he's just come off the back of spotlight as well uh, oscar yes oscar winning movie that kind of like so that's like i think if birdman was like he's back spotlight Mm -hmm. was like and he's staying like absolutely yeah yeah and and then kind of makes sense right and like you say that the director of this movie having a bit of um, experience with Oscar-type movies. I get the sense from that when you watch this. It, I don't know if they were going for Oscar in this, but it, it feels a little like they were trying to play into the awards a little bit. Um, well, the, the, the fact that that it, it only grossed, what did you say, like two, uh, 24 million? Like it mm. didn't even make back its budget, I think kind of says that it didn't land, I'm guessing. That and with like the distribution being handled by the Weinstein company who... A very yes. like despite their flaws and like how, how like repugnant they are as people and the, the kind of acts they've mm. done and the crimes yep. they've done um yep. have always kind of had a penchant for managing to get oh yeah they've always had a knack of getting films kind of that mm. oscar attention that it, it it needs and it kind of feels yeah. like they had no faith in this since it was released in january which for years and years was kind of yeah the dump month for a lot of films it's kind of like yeah. they must have been putting their kind of all their chips on another film and went well, we've got this mm. nah keaton's kind of already done his thing of like if if this if this was his comeback film maybe we probably would have seen like oh he's coming back and he's kind of yeah he's playing this conflicting character to the audience where it's like at the beginning you're like Oh yeah, I'm going, I can root for this guy, and then as soon as he kind mm. of gets his first taste of success, is like an absolute monster, and we kind of see him yeah. evolve into this kind of yeah. yeah monster who, by the end of it, is what <laughs> is is excited to have a kind of meeting with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, or, he's, or you know, he's yeah, he's basically trying to go back on all of his contracts, go back on his his uh, his word, and his deals, his marriage, you know, like you said, everything just goes out of the window as soon as he knows that he can afford to just ditch everybody and move on to a, air quotes, better life that he envisions for himself. So, um, mm. one of the things I want, is, is, is what, like, what, obviously we talked about John, uh, John Schwartzman mm. earlier and this kind of like, yeah, how he just fits a director's kind of look and stuff like that. But what did you think of the kind of camera work in this film? Because obviously like, when Mm. it came to filming in the like mcdonald's locations and have to do like kind of have to definitely mention um michael cronenblythe the production designer on this who kind of Mm -hmm. was tasked to basically recreate the mcdonald's stores of that time like kind of from the Mm. ground up and they kind of used yeah on ebay they managed to get like uh blueprints and I think the oldest kind of still standing McDonald's location is one in Downey, California, that looks like that concept drawing that they have on their wall. Like, right, okay. 
that 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 still exists to this day wow. like pretty much unchanged but the ones they mm. created kind of the way they did it is they 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 made i think one or two but the way they did it is the kitchen could be changed around mm. any it was kind of like little units that they could change yeah. around so they could That's film amazing. in the same place, but it yeah. could kind of step in for every different franchisee location that he visits. That's incredible. Man, it's, it's stuff like this in movie making that I'm fascinated by, and I'm glad you bring it up. I don't think people give it enough attention, but that's awesome. That is yeah. absolutely awesome, isn't it? To, to think that far ahead and plan it. And it was, um, as far as how it looks on screen, I think it just looks amazing. Like you say, if, I never would have known that. Had you not told me that, I never would have known. I would have just assumed that they just built different locations and mm -hmm. moved around and that was that. But yeah, they all just look stunning. And and, and the way that like um, the the restaurants themselves were, were working, so like the grills yeah. actually worked. And um, mm. John Lee Hancock said in an interview that uh, to begin with, it was like, oh, great, we got like burgers on set. And I imagine it's like that thing of working yeah. at a McDonald's, like the first couple of weeks, it's like, Hey, it's free lunches, and then like by like the end of the first month, yeah. you're like, I don't want to see another burger in the rest of my yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the smell of a Big Mac just makes you want to vomit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. But no, I think it's it's incredibly well done. And and as I said earlier, you know that whole like from the tennis court scene to them like layering things up. He does all these bird's eye shots, and then it transitions into them in the restaurant for the first time and everything's working like clockwork and you've got the camera moving around and mm -hmm. taking it all in. It's it's really well done. It's really well put together. It's so easy to follow. It's so intricate. Yeah. And I definitely think it helps towards putting you into Ray Kroc's shoes of like seeing this machine just working so efficiently. And hearing you know? hearing that story as well and like the kind of Yeah how like visualizing it and you imagine mm. that's how like ray's imagination is is, is visualizing mm. it this kind of like yeah and it's exciting as well like i've like mm. it's quite i don't know it's quite rare to think of food prep in films mm. being made visual do you know what I mean like the, on yeah. paper this could seem like quite a boring movie but kind of no not at all once you get into it it's, like, oh, it's, it's fun like it's like it's, it's kind of it whips yeah. along it is. It's always magical. I mean, even the contrast, right, between we only get like 10, 15 minutes of him at other places. I was just, just thinking about it. They're kind of shot in very dim locations. You know, there's a lot of, they kind of look a bit run down. Um, there's all this stuff. It seems chaotic. And then you get to the, the first McDonald's and it does feel like weirdly like a fast food Disneyland where like it's so clean and pristine and it's like, like it is a miracle. Like he gets there everyone's happy it looks open it, yeah. it's a blue sky well, it's like that oasis in the desert isn't it yeah like, everyone's happy and then within 30 seconds bang he's got the burger and you're just as surprised as he is watching it because you're like wait no that can't be right and you know the, and all the families are all happy and clean and tidy it is like so well set up and shot that it really yeah fair place and they really do do a great job of selling this to you as an I, audience I, I feel like this is the only time I'm ever going to be able to voice this bugbear of mine. <laughs> Go, on. Go on. But I have found, <laughs> as somebody who like occasionally goes to a McDonald's, obviously, I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think they're an evil corporation, but sometimes you're kind of, you're kind of stuck for choices. Uh, I, I very much Indeed. enjoy a, a McPlant, even more so now it's a double McPlant. But 
<laughs> right. The seeing this film and the kind of joy on his face on Ray's face when he gets the mm. burger in thirty seconds is like I could only dream of a time yeah. when that was the case. It's like <laughs> I'm going to McDonald's now, and they they know it as well. They're like, oh, do you do you just want to bring it over? To, like, do you want do you want table service? It's like, yeah, it's like because they know, like, yeah, you're gonna be waiting twenty yeah. minutes. And I yeah. think I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, Harley. Mm. I think it's that they haven't got the infrastructure for delivery. I think that's where they're going wrong. They're, they're like, mm. they, they're getting Uber Eats on board. They're getting Just Eat, but yeah. they, they ain't got the infrastructure for it. They the McDonald brothers yeah. will be turning in their grave at what has happened to their their joyous speedy system. I tell you that 100%. for sure. I think everybody knows now that unless you're going in the drive-through, you're waiting like 10, 15, 20 minutes for your food. Now for sure. A big question I have for you, Harley, is what is your McDonald's order? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same thing, so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> um, funny thing for me these days, it's it's not a lot. The the main thing I get from McDonald's is honestly just a coffee, okay. like because it's 99p, so you know that's fine by me. But if I'm getting food, probably I tend to go for like a wrap or just a burger, and that's kind of it. I don't really have a lot. I used to go all out. I used yeah, to same. be like. Big meal, you know, largest one, whatever the seasonal ones are, because they're always bigger. Milkshake and, and a McFlurry. And that's just, the thought of that honestly turns my stomach now. <laughs> I remember, so when I, when, when I went to see this film, so I saw this in the cinema, I remember, so like, people people will probably be rolling their eyes at me for, for saying this. I've, I've changed my Go ways. Um, mm. Oh, me, yeah, me and my ex-girlfriend would always like sneak a little McDonald's into the cinema with us to watch mm -hmm. a film. Would eat, you know, people frown upon that. It's, uh, it's naughty, but uh, come on, uh, don't eat those stinky nachos. Uh, they're overpriced. I don't like them. So, like, I was going uh, to say, like, your what? What are your options in the cinema these days? I mean, dog. if you're going to sneak in, you know, hot a ninety-nine peel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna go and spend a fiver at McDonald's and actually get more food, then why not? Well, I used to. I, so this is what I used. To, this is what I used to eat meat as well. So I remember my exact okay. order I would have had when go I on. went to see the founder. I would have had five piece chicken select meal, large, with an oasis because I, I love me. I love me the little uh, summer fruits oasis. Uh huh. And then would have had one. Maybe two. I don't, I'm not sure how I felt on this day. Double cheeseburgers. I love those nice. double cheeseburgers. That was kind of like my go-to. Now nowadays, yeah. nowadays it is very much yeah. I'm on. I'm on the McPlant. Maybe a little Coke okay. Zero, depending on how I'm feeling. If I'm hungover, yeah. it's, it's, I'm paying that. I'm paying that sugar tax, and I'm getting that full mm. fat. Or I'll get yeah. I'll get the <laughs> summer fruits oasis. <laughs> Still, that's fair. I think it's totally fair. It's um. Yeah, it's just one for me that has, uh, same as you, man, I've, I've changed, I'm not a uh, vegetarian or vegan, but um, yeah, getting into like the health and fitness scene a few years ago and um, I got, fun fact about me, I got into weights like four, five years ago and mm. just sort of educated myself on basic nutrition and like dropped a load of weight and all this stuff and McDonald's ain't the one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you learn that's not very conducive. <laughs> yeah. But there's nothing wrong with it by the same stretch. Like, if you want to go for it, go for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny how it just changed, changed my tastes. Um, hence why I mentioned, like, 
you know, I tend to go for singular items. Like yourself, I'll have a double cheeseburger or a wrap or something else. The one thing I realized I discovered that I can't do from McDonald's is fries because the sodium in them just kills me now. Like I yeah. used to munch those down, no problem. And I remember like just over a year or so ago, going to a gig, went to McDonald's on the way, picked up a cheeseburger. My mate said, oh, do you want some of these? Yeah, okay. Do you know what? It's a little bit peckish. I'll have some. Honestly, I felt hungover the next day. Yeah, like, the like, salt. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it like... just hit me, man. I think my body was like, what is this? Where did this come from? I knew that this podcast may become the McDonald's pod, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yes, roll absolutely. on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll on this avenue. Let's go for it. Because uh, little, little, little tip for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there: if you ever want to make sure that your food is fresh mm-hmm. at McDonald's. And I think it pertains to the chips as well. Like yep. you, the way the way you do it is, you order fries, no salt, and if you do want a little bit of salt, you ask for a sachet, and you can yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. Or you could just have it without the salt. Or just if you don't like those, if you don't like those gherkins, don't pick them out. Order it without. Your burger is made fresh to order. You're not getting one of those ones that's like. Stinking up on the on the hot plate for like thirty mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. You yeah. got one, you got one that's not not a sloppy. It's, it's made to order. I I find with the yes. plant as well because yeah. it seems that uh, vegetarian and veganism hasn't prevailed as much as uh, us, mm. us 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 guys would like. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Petros, you've got baby carrots now at McDonald's, don't you know? It's yes, it's all yeah. good, <laughs> but um. But yeah, that that's still made to order, so it's always it's always lovely and fresh when yeah. I'm there. And it's just like, yeah, come on. Uh- <laughs> that that is a great little hack. Yeah, actually, you just reminded me a, a a good mate of mine, Will, used to work in McDonald's, and I think he said something similar. Yeah, to that effect of if you that- want it fresh, you've asked for something specific, and they'll they'll have to do it from scratch. That and if you if you order two Happy Meals, mm-hmm. it's like two. Uh, I think it's four piece. Oh yeah. Yeah, four piece. Uh, yeah, four piece Happy Meals nuggets. You get eight. You get eight nuggets cheaper than it would be to get a nine piece nugget meal. Hey, there you go. Interesting. There you go. Don't even eat meat, but I'm still giving you the, the McDonald's hacks. On, Life hacks uh, with Petros. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nah, it's this funny, ma- isn't it? me think. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have mm. prepared some more kind of. I don't know. I, I I don't really want to draw people to to, to McDonald's. <laughs> Got enough. <laughs> They're money. doing all right. They're, They're doing, doing all right. right. They don't need our help. <laughs> I wanted to ask you actually, like, because I feel like it's quite interesting the way that this is set up. As we said earlier, it it, it doesn't really portray the whole company or business in a good light. But talking about yeah, McDonald's as as it is and fast food and all of that, I do feel like it's they've taken a real beating, you know, in the last sort of decade or so or a bit longer i feel like uh did you ever see that documentary oh was it called uh supersize me yeah yeah i remember that i yeah. remember that being big I feel it was like big as well that, it was big yeah and i feel like that really put a dent in them and you kind of feel like ever since they've been sort of pedaling backwards a little bit uh, yeah of, but have have they like, do you know what i mean like this is massive oh, no, I, like, yeah it's still like, <laughs> big but like you notice their marketing is a lot more like we have carrots now and we we like to fresh farm things and it's sort of you can tell they're trying to like scoot around some of the damage that did yeah it's still it's 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 still pretty evil like that's the thing oh like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they're just slapping a sticker on it and going we've changed yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No, you haven't no you haven't 
Yeah, I'm. I'm um, I, I I I love the work of Dexter Fletcher, but I'm always. I've, I I always want somebody in interviews to ask him like. How much are you getting paid for voicing those McDonald's adverts? Because he's like the kind of <laughs> yeah. de facto voice of the UK McDonald's That's adverts. That's so true. That's so true. How much are you getting paid, Dexter? That's, <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I can make a film. Do you know what I mean? I make... Uh, yeah. They're yeah. backing up a truckload of chicken McNuggets to his house just every yeah, couple of months. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a Swim film. Swim in these, every- Dexter. Exactly. <laughs> I'll make Rocket Man, but then yeah, I'll, I'll take it easy for a little bit. I got some. I got. I got that McDonald's yeah. money coming in. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty set. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, so man. I, I sorry. Go on. I was going to say we've talked about Michael Keaton's performance in mm. this. Are, are there any other um, performances that 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 stick out to you in this? Obviously, we have Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch as the McDonald's yeah. brothers. What do you those, think those two? two? I mean awesome right like just really sell it as just this these guys who are just absolutely there to make they're no fuss no nonsense but you know they've got their dream and they're sticking to it um it's kind of fascinating to me as well looking at it considering uh nick offerman i mean i this is i don't know when parks and rec ended actually that would have been around this time i'd have thought Mm -hmm. um the only man that freaks me out when i see him without facial hair like yeah it just looks unnatural but he's sort of channeling ron swanson light in this like he's very pragmatic no nonsense but he's not quite as extreme but still really good you know um and yeah john carroll lynch isn't he the guy in the zodiac film that they think is the zodiac killer i'm pretty sure he's i'm i'm (laughs) yeah i i I, I'm doing a little fan theory here that this film is yeah. a prequel to Zodiac. Is that the the sale of <laughs> he snaps? Yeah, yeah, he snaps. He snaps because he he like they 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 had no choice but to sell their company to Ray Kroc. Yeah, that, yeah. He yeah, goes he, on a killing spree. Yeah. We need to re- we need to rewatch this movie right now and just see if he's wearing a Zodiac watch or something. Like that, that would be the clue. Tr- <laughs> that is true. Yeah, he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> it was there all along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he, he just he just shifts on down to San Francisco. He's like, there yeah. he goes. I think the timeline works out as well. It I think the timeline works out. <laughs> probably does. It goes. Yeah. I, lo- I love them though. I think they're great. Um, as I said earlier, like Laura Dern's brilliant in it. Just really good as a sort of absolutely battered down housewife who's bless her heart is trying her best. You know, it sort of, it breaks your heart the number of times in the film where she's just trying to nudge Ray along and just sort of get involved. Like he, he complains about, you know, her, her not being a teammate and all the rest of it and just being really nasty. And then, and then the next scene we see her in, she's there going, oh, I found these people who want to invest. And he's just like, no, no, forget about that. And you're just like, oh, oh, poor love. Yeah. She's trying so hard. Yeah, she's just um, kind of like, and I think that is the thing, like this film is very much Ray's story, right? And like the mm-hmm. kind of, and I think it, the, the film does these like interesting things. In other films, I think would irk me slightly, but like I kind of, kind of give this film a bit of a free pass just because it's kind of, it does that thing where you see like Ray look at something and like his eyes light mm-hmm. up and then like, mm-hmm. like, Oh, plot point coming. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. when he's in the fridge at one point with all like the freezer and he's like, do you know what? My dad used to own a, like the guys like, uh, mm. my, my dad used to own an ice cream company and it was the refrigeration that made him bankrupt. And you kind of see like, 
there's like the camera kind of goes yeah. into Keaton's face and it's like, oh, that's going to, that's going to come. And that kind of mm. happens throughout the movie with certain things. And that's kind yes. of like the, always like the next sticking point with the McDonald brothers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, speaking of those moments, the whole thing with Linda Candelini, right? Like as soon as she shows up on screen, it's like his eyes just fixate and pretty creepy to be honest like the way he just kind of ogles her like in front of the man's in front of of uh, her husband as well like patrick yeah. wilson's just sat there and he's just making eyes at her the whole time you're like steady on mate <laughs> and i think it plays into kind of the thesis of mm. ray Kroc in this film which is and i think it's dick mcdonald who says it to him where he's like um yeah if you can't uh, if you can't beat and buy him but then like i think mm. Ray kind of to 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 the effect says like I knew the moment I walked in that like I set eyes on that place mm. that I wanted it and it's kind yeah, of like yeah that's 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 exactly the same approach that encroaches and it's kind of that thing I think that's what the film is doing is like his business life mm. really just corrupted his personal life as well to the fact yeah that he stole another man's wife and stuff like that and mm-hmm. this is speculation on my part but I imagine more so her than him like in real life m- may have felt more guilt than he would have done because by the time mm. of her passing had like dedicated uh, d- donated millions and millions of dollars yeah to, to charity um yeah so yeah so Joan Joan Croc um we can we i think we can thank joan crock she donated 200 million dollars to npr so wow if you enjoy those little tiny desk performances uh ladies and gentlemen joan <laughs> crock you gotta be thanking for those i imagine she's probably kept npr going for all these years they're probably still living off that joan yeah. crock money i think you're right yeah yeah <laughs> that and the uh, youtube views of Anderson Pack doing his uh <laughs> doing his tiny <laughs> yeah. desk performance. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, amazing, and she's she's great. And it's be fair again, Linda uh, Linda Cardellini, I think plays it really well. Doesn't suit blonde hair. That's quite that was quite oh. a shock when she sort of pops up on screen. It's like, oh, oh, I'm not used to that. But yeah, I guess it's I guess you know, it's being accurate being to the yeah, to, yeah, to, exactly. to, to, to the character. And but then she's, be- she's great though. What about BJ Novak? He kind of, yeah. he, again, we get that moment of him like when Ray's mm-hmm. at the bank and like his eyes are lighting up when he's listening into mm-hmm. the conversation. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this is where I can step in. <laughs> I'm literally in, in the middle of, uh, well, actually towards the end of another rewatch of the US office. And yeah, just to, just to see him pop up. It's like, hey, it's Ryan from the office. Yeah. And you're right. Like he, his sort of moment of just sliding in and his whole pitch about, owning the land upon which the burger is cooked is such a great moment and you you can't help but go oh that's genius but evil at the same time like it's evil it's genius yeah he's got one of those faces where like i don't know it's like Mm. he could play really sweet but like you can also see like a devilishness to him where like there's almost like a Mm. distrust so i think he's kind of perfect casting in that role because at first you're like or maybe he's going to kind of, uh, I don't know, help like Ray get on the straight and narrow. And he's kind of, mm. oh, no, I'm basically going to give you the tools 
to decimate these people that you're working with and kind of yeah. take ultimate control. Yeah, he's almost like a younger version of Ray, like the way he just slides in and is just like, here's your problem, bang, there's your solution, and doesn't seem to give any kind of consideration to the situation that he's in or the other people involved. It's just straight in with, do this. Mm -hmm. And I think, actually, I'm pretty sure there's a moment in their conversation where Ray says, well, that would mean, and then he pauses, you know, and then he sort of looks at him and they have this sort of knowing look like he almost doesn't want to admit what he's about to do and say out loud. That would mean I would have to basically screw over my business partners. But it's kind of like that little exchange that they share for a second. And the fact that, like you say, BJ is just kind of almost like shrugs it off and is like, yeah, and? Yeah. And they, yeah, there seems to be that sort of like kismet there. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Well, I think what the film does interestingly as well is it's, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a slow decline of the character either. Is It's quite a no, quick it's, decline. Yeah, it's, it's like, quick. Mm. it's the the moment he gets that first whiff of like was well, the moment he, he is kind of the franchise manager it's like he's a problem and it's like yeah. you almost want to grab more so you just want to grab the mcdonald brothers by the scruffs and be like get out now you know I mean? like, get out whilst you can and he's like yeah you kind of have like you kind of have that with Dick, dick's really skeptical and like gets more and more so every kind of time and there's that kind of ongoing, like recurring bit of the film where like every phone call ends with a phone slam. And then like, you know, they're kind of at their end of their tether when it's Dick doing it as opposed to Ray yes. doing it as well. And it's like, yeah, the, the tables have turned and it's almost like, I think at that moment in the film, you realize, oh shit, they're now mm. on the back foot. Cause all the time up until then, it's like, they've been a sticking point in Ray's progression yeah. for good, kind of in, in, in moral standpoint, obviously, for, yes. for Ray's standpoint, for bad. But then mm. when, when, they re yeah, when they're getting frustrated and like at their wit's end, it's like, oh, now it's like they're on the decline. Like they're, they're, this is the beginning of the end for, for them as the kind of owners of McDonald's. Big time, man. And I tell you, when it sort of builds up to that scene where they're sat in the room with the lawyers and he says, oh, it's a handshake deal. I don't know about you. I was watching it through my fingers. You're just like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, after everything you've been through, like, yeah. it, you just, you're almost screaming at the table, like, just walk out. Just walk out. Just say, no, no deal. Sorry. And leave. But the fact that they do it and you're like, oh. And oh. It's, it, there's like an added kicker as well when you get to the end of the film and you get... um a bit of text on screen that reads if they'd got their royalties, it would be worth a hundred million dollars a year yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah, what is it? They both like, they got a check each for like $1.3 million or imagine yeah. that would have, I'm assuming that would have been each. Yeah. I think he worked. I think he said it after taxes, it worked out like a million dollars each. So you're like, that's a drop in the ocean, but, it's not even about the money, is it? It's just, it's just the whole like, yeah, handshake deal. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's just, oh, you can give him 1%. You can like 0.5% of this. Nah, I'm not going to do it. And you just think, wow, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of know straight away as well, because it's kind yeah. of right after that scene, it's like one of like the lawyer there saying, mm. so you can't use the name McDonald's whatsoever. Like that'd be a conflict of interest and like the signs being like taken down and stuff like that. And it's like, 
It's so it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, and like one of the final bits is him just setting up shop directly o- across the road from them, <laughs> which is just yeah. like, wow, nail in the coffin, just at the final moment there. Yeah, he's absolutely a, he's a, brutal. He's a he's a bad guy. Yeah. So, yeah. is there anything else that we haven't mentioned, Harley, that you kind of wanted to bring up at all? Um, I'm having a quick look through my notes. Not really, no. I mean, it's just, I thought, yeah, again, I just thought it was a really interesting choice that they would uh, go this way on this kind of movie. But I love that they did it. I love that it's this honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's a movie that more people should see. Like, If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I've not seen it, give it a go. It's on Amazon Prime at the minute. Like, just just check it out. It's couple, I think it's just under two hours long. And it's just a really interesting bit of history, I think. It seems pretty faithful to the the events of what happened. So if you just want a quick version of this, then you're not going to find it in better, are you? I think the kind of, the marketing, those kind of posters where it is Mm. like with the McDonald's M on it, stuff like that. Yeah. May put some people off because it is that thing. Maybe. I don't watch the McDonald's movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Michael Keaton looks quite triumphant on the front and it's like, Mm. it's not the movie that you're going to watch here. It's like he, Mm. it's almost like an ironic title because he's not the founder. And like he, he he put that on and he he says in his speech at the end about like Mm. the first store to open and lies about the fact it was the, the first one that he opened not i love and, yeah no sorry i was gonna say I, I love that final speech for that exact reason you say all the stuff that's sprinkled in like yeah like him saying the first store that was opened the fact that his speech is essentially like lifted from that sort of health help self-help uh vinyl record that he's listening to at the start about persistence which he's clearly taken the wrong message from as well by the way <laughs> he's sort of just constantly lifting things as the movie goes on even like taking credit for the golden arches at one point and stuff like that. And it's like you say, to have it come full circle in that speech at the end. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that all sort of blends into the title of the film, which is almost a little bit satirical in a way. But I I think you're right. It might have been lost on quite a few people sort of looking at it going, oh, what, the guy that started it? Yeah, not bothered. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the con man. This is the guy that ripped it out from someone else. And I think it is that same, I remember the kind of, chatter when the social network was coming out and like people like yeah. scoffing at it going yes facebook movie oh like and then it's yeah. kind of you, you watch that film it's like oh this is like one of, this is like one of the best films of the 21st century Do you know I mean? like, yeah 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 <laughs> it, exactly and it's a very similar story to this one of like mm-hmm. no no there's there's more to it than you might think and yeah and the person you're reason- following isn't yeah, isn't a nice guy. Like, do no, you know what I mean? he's, he's he's not the hero of the story. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Still, still waiting on that social network sequel because Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> not a guy, not a good guy. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot to follow up on. So yeah, exactly, that would exactly. Be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, old robot man. I, 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 I did yeah. exist. I mean, I mean, I do exist. I wonder if they'll do like a Tesla movie one day on sort of a similar vein who knows oh yeah musk yeah oh. that would that would be an interesting one from musk till dawn 
Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we we need a few years of separation, I think, before we get there. But yeah, I can see I that happening. I feel like we're only in kind of like the the middle act at the moment with his kind of yes. acquisition of Twitter and him really showing his ass to the world and kind of yeah. how much of a how Having much a meltdown. Of, yeah, yeah, how much of a madman he he truly is. Do you know what I mean, considering uh, like it was somebody who's yeah. like. I think maybe yeah, maybe he's trying to do good with the world. It's like, oh no, 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 no. He is kind of like this this Bond villain it, <laughs> in, in very that, thin disguise. I don't because he's you know he's not as interesting as a Bond villain. I kind of feel like he's just uh, what I see is just a, a, an attention starved child. He's yeah, just little. like, look at me, look at I've I've spent a billion dollars buying friends, and then all of the people leave. Yeah, and then he's wondering <laughs> why. They're leaving, and you're like, because you're not a nice person. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's just kind hey, of tragic. I, I buy in your clubhouse, and if you want to stay here and mm. actually speak to your friends, you got to pay me every month. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to pay to be my best mate? No, 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 no one no, wants no. that. Right. <laughs> and anyone who does pay for it is a social pariah in my eyes <laughs> yeah if, if, if you're one of those people speak to us afterwards we've got a bridge to sell you <laughs> so with the founder um put to rest wrapped up in its nice little packaging delivered in a speedy fashion one thing we always do here harley when mm-hmm. we're looking at films is Look at some Coppola connections. Did you manage to find any Coppola connections within this film? Are there people who worked either in front of or behind the camera who've worked with the Coppolas elsewhere? I will say that I really struggled with this aspect of it. I'm literally flicking through my notes now. Um, The only things I could really feel were some connections between... Uh, old John Schwartzman and some of the cast of this film. So I think Linda, excuse me. I think Linda Cardellini was in a simple favor and yes, he was, was the, and he was the cinematographer for that. And Laura Dern was uh, in Jurassic World Dominion, which I will not hold against her. And he was the cinematographer for that, which yeah, unfortunate. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the only one I could really find. I, I'd love to hear what you've got. Cause I know you're amazing at this. Well, I, 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 I didn't do as much of a deep dive as I usually would. Just because I, yeah, okay. you know what? I haven't done this in a while and I forgot <laughs> about it until today. And then I was like, I kind of just picked stuff from what I had in my kind of memory bank. Uh, okay. I didn't have the, the, the man hours to be able to put in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm acutely, uh, I don't know, aware or kind of, I always fear that this is the part of the podcast people in, enjoy the least because it's like oh it's just somebody reading out a list of things he found on the internet uh so john lee hancock also directed saving mr banks which uh, jonathan schwartzman was also a cinematographer on you mentioned linda cardellini in a simple favor and Mm -hmm. the one other one i've got is laura dern is also in wild at heart starring Ah. alongside nicholas cage that's 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 the three i've got so nice um yeah, if anyone, if, if, I've, if I've missed any, you know what, guys? You do the research and let me know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about rating this film the way that we do mm. that. Here on this podcast, we talk about the perfect wine pairing. What would be the perfect wine pairing for the founder, Harley? 
Well, I have actually come prepared with a wine on this occasion, so oh, I bet this doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm just going to make sure it's on camera for you. So what oh, I have lovely. picked up is a bottle. It's a Portuguese wine. This? I'm going to try and make sure I pronounce this correctly. Uh, I think it's called Aluado, and it is uh, Alicante Bouchette, and it is really lovely. You can get it from Lathwaite's for, I just want to say around, I think I paid like 10, 11 pounds for it. So it's a mid-tier kind of thing. Nice. And that's why I picked it for this, because I thought it's a mid-tier wine for a mid-tier kind of movie. This wine pretty much goes with anything. Oh, nice. If you want to have a McDonald's, you want to have a Big Mac and have a glass of this, I would recommend it. I'm sure it would be fine. Is it red or uh, white? It's a red. Yes, it's oh, a red. Lovely, it's lovely really, stuff. Yeah, I'm more of a red. I have to say more of a red guy. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really nice wine. I would highly recommend it. I can send you a picture if you want for socials later. Have you ever had anyone bring a wine to this, by the way, before? Um, well, I did a mini-series on the uh, on the TV series. Well, I did a complete season recap of The Offer, the uh -huh. te television series all about the making of The Godfather. And me and my co-host for that series every week drank a different bottle of wine whilst we recorded. Nice. So, so yeah, I've, <laughs> I've done it myself. Pe people have been very specific in their, in their choices. Um, cool. I think, I, I, I think a red goes with this because red goes yep. with beef, right? And, uh, exactly. not, not does this film just have beef in its burgers. It has beef between Ray Kroc and the McDonald <laughs> brothers and kind of, uh, the, the many other people that Ray Kroc f screws over, Throughout, throughout his kind of movings and shakings to becoming the kind of yeah. overlord of the McDonald's empire. Um, uh, yes, yeah. So you've kind of shown your cards already and you said that this is very much mm. a mid-shelf wine yeah. and a mid-shelf yeah. film. I've, I've got to agree with you. I think this is the kind of the perfect three-star movie. This kind of isn't kind of going to change your world, but I think it's going to... Yeah definitely entertain you and pass two hours of your life in an enjoyable fashion, which is sometimes, absolutely. to be honest, that's, that's all you can ask for sometimes, right? It's like, I, yeah, I, I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll take, I'll take that over, over something that's going to, I don't know, change my perception of the world through cinema. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to be in the mood for that. I kind of feel like I'd be in the mood for this, like a McDonald's yeah. more than I would care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Harley, based on this film alone, are the Coplas the greatest film family of all time? It's a really good question. Based on this film alone, I, I would say no, because it's kind of there's not anything particularly special at play yeah. here. But they're not the worst either. Like it's a solid movie, as we said. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it leads me on to. Uh, possibly my favourite question I, I ask people because mm -hmm. it, it either makes, they're, they're either steadfast, they've had time to think about this and they're kind of, they come yeah. straight from the gut with something or it was absolute agony for them and that is, which uh, which uh, Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the entire filmographies of the rest of the collective family. I've been dreading this question. Yes. <laughs> I was I was out for lunch with my wife early and I was talking to her about this. I, was like, I said, I, I don't know what I'm going to say for this. Because um, here's, here's my dilemma, right? I'm not the biggest Nick Cage fan yet. I haven't had the chance to go through his filmography, but I appreciate him for what he is in cinema. Uh -huh. and that he is a unique vessel. 
And I feel like there's so much stuff there. It's like, I almost don't, I don't want to erase that. But also, I genuinely love The Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 in particular. I also really love Talia Shire in the Rocky franchise. So if I'm just going to kind of unpack that, Talia Shire is great. But I would assume with the absolute determination that Sly had for Rocky, worst case scenario, if she wasn't around, he would have made the film anyway and cast somebody else. So I'm going to I'm going to pretend that that still exists. Um, you, you, you're, you're, and... you're, I think you're missing the cheat code. You're missing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're skirting the around the cheat code here. What's, what's the cheat code? Go on. No, 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 no. You give no, me your no, answer okay. and I'll tell you afterwards. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to feel like an absolute fool. Well, that's fine. Um, Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with... I'm going to keep Nick Cage just because he's such a fascinating character. And I do genuinely love some of his movies. There's a lot more that I need to check out for him. So I will hang on. As much as, again, I really like The Godfather. I feel like, again, it's a really great book. I'm sure someone else would have adapted it at some point. Will it, will it have been of good in an alternative universe? Maybe not. But yeah, that, that, I'm just going to stick with that. I feel like it's a safe answer, but yeah. Oh, oh What's the well, cheat code? That, I really want to know. What's the cheat code? It's Talia Shire. Because Talia Shire, you get, to keep the God, you get to keep Godfathers Part 1 and 2, and you get to oh. keep the Rocky franchise. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm yeah, genuinely that, devastated that I missed that, but no, there you go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, fr- everyone. Fr- friend of the podcast and previous guest, and and, and he's yeah. been on your podcast well. Andy Godian picked Tyler Shire on that basis alone because he's a he's a massive he Rocky did, fan. Didn't he? And yes, <laughs> Andy, <laughs> and got Andy, Andy the I'm Godfather. so sorry. I'm so sorry, Andy, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you're a better man than me. You figured it out. Oh, so, so, some people have, have have done the workings out, and we we managed. There we to, go. We, they, they've managed to stumble upon that What's one. That? Was that on the episode where he was on, you guys talking about Spy- The Amazing Spider-Man? Yes, another John Swartz It was. Uh, I listened joined. to that as well. Like, I should have known that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm genuinely <laughs> devastated by that. Don't worry. The only person you've let down here, Harley, is yourself. Don't apologize to me, okay? You, you, well, you I wanna... do that on a daily basis, so that's yeah. fine. Never mind. You want to you you look in a, you want to take a long, long, hard stare in a mirror tonight. And, uh, I think I'll apologize. be opening this bottle and reflecting hard on my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, <laughs> let me ask you maybe the most important question on this yes. podcast, which is what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? I mean, I'm prepared for this. And I think after everything we've discussed, there's only one answer. Would you like fries with that? Oh yes, I love Thank it. You. I love Thank it. You and good night. <laughs> With that perfect answer, where is the best place to find you and your podcast and everything you do, Harley? Thank you so much, Petros. It's been an absolute delight. Um yeah, the best place to find me is Fundamentals Podcast. You just search that in any of your podcasts. I'm assuming if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, Podchaser, so on and so forth, I'm more than likely there. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at FundamentalsPod. I don't really tend to hang out on Instagram all that much. Twitter's probably the best place to reach me. I'm also at Harley Mumford on Twitter if you want to go and say hi. And uh, FundamentalsPod at Yahoo.com if you want to send me an email. 
uh, yeah, best place to go and have a, have a look. I will be bringing this podcast. It is on a hiatus at the minute, but it will be back likely around the same time that this comes out. So make sure you check that out. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Harley, for coming and making some Copal connections with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And there we go, guys. That was episode 59. And that was the founder. Thank you once again for listening. And a massive thank you once more to Harley Mumford for coming and joining me and making some Copla connections. If you haven't already, please do check out Harley's amazing podcast, Fundamentals, which I have guested on before, talking all about my love of all things Seinfeld. And we'll be on in the near future once I pull my finger out and figure out what passion I want to go on there and talk about. It's kind of given the given limitations, I'm great. Given the option to talk about anything I want to, I absolutely crumble. If you have any suggestions of what I can talk about, please don't hesitate to get in touch. So you can grab me on all the socials. So that is Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook, and TikTok, all at CagedInPod. Or you can drop me an email, which is CagedInPod at gmail.com. And I really would like, if there's anything I've talked about on this podcast, which you think, you know what? That's, uh, yeah, Petros is pretty knowledgeable about that. He kind of he kind of goes into it on those things. Like, yeah, let me let me know what I could talk about. Uh, and if you're not sick of my voice and would like to hear me elsewhere, you can do so on a fantastic podcast. I had the absolute pleasure of being asked to guest on. Um, it's Stephanie Joy Hubbard's amazing soundtrack journey. If you're unaware of this podcast, what Stephanie's doing over there, she's getting creatives, if I can call myself creative, <laughs> to come and talk about their life through a like film soundtrack journey. So it's mainly needle drops. It's just kind of the the tunes that soundtrack your life, but very specifically the movie of your life. So it could be a almost rose-tinted view of what the the soundtrack to your life actually is yeah through the through the medium of film something that i'm massively massively passionate about as i am music so it's an absolute absolute joy to be on that podcast and you can um you can find all the links to that in the show notes and check out previous episodes as previous guest of this here podcast a real early guest of this um todd jordan uh, was the first episode which is fantastic uh yeah i'm the i'm the third guest out of the gate and i'm absolutely delighted that i'm on there so do check that out it's probably one of the most personal uh stories and stuff like that that i've ever told on a podcast so yeah do check it out if you want to kind of get to know me all that little bit better as for next week on the podcast i'll be talking to return guest um film critic and writer james king all about sophia coppola's the virgin suicides which if you do not know is getting a fantastic 4k restoration and release via studio canal which um 
yeah, you may be able to win a couple of copies of them. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting back on a couple of emails, but it's looking pretty, pretty uh, likely that you'll be able to win a copy of that on Blu-ray. Uh, oh no, 4K and Blu-ray. I imagine that it comes with both. Yeah, over on the socials. So I'll likely do one on Instagram, one on Twitter. Unfortunately, it will be open only to UK entrants, just because of region-specific stuff and all of the crazy stuff with uh, posting stuff internationally and stuff like that. It's just all, it's coming out of my pocket, guys, okay? So, uh, yeah, so get in, uh, get involved on that. Uh, keep keep up to date with the socials so you can see any of that, that, that fun stuff and kind of the ramblings of my mind as well. But, yeah, come join me and James for that chat next week. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where for as little as three no, no like a pound a pound one dollar you could support the podcast or yeah there's there's multiple tiers up there that would really help uh keep the lights on here on here on this podcast i've got fun things planned for that i've got a, a series coming up with will chitch where we're going to be looking at some films that are kind of tangentially linked to francis ford coppola in a weird way uh so yeah we'll we'll be talking about that and uh, as soon as soon as that is the couple of first episodes are recorded and we're ready to launch that i'll definitely let you know what that is again i'll probably uh, announce it on the socials and then on the podcast depending on uh yeah just at the same time probably so so yeah d- do be sure to do that but if you don't um want to support the podcast financially which is totally fine because we are living in a costa del living crisis as i saw recently on the internet um yeah I, I i totally get it you can head on over though to apple podcast spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now and leave a lovely five star rating and review and remember that when you do please do tell me what bill murray says to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation baby so guys i've been petrus pat syllabus your guide through the crazy world of the coppola family tree remember to keep it caged in And I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, 
head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.